Have you ever had a situation where you're in a store and you ask someone for help and you come to regret it? Uh, last year sometime I went to Walmart and I asked for a product. I forget what it even was at this time. And person confidently says, yes, aisle 26 on the left-hand side, head on over there. So I marched to the opposite side of Walmart, 26. There is nothing in the aisle, anything of the likeness of what I asked for. So then I asked someone in that area, where is this thing? And they said, oh yeah, you see that far washroom over there? It's right around there. Okay. So I head over there, nothing, nowhere to be found. Ask a person in that section. They say, yeah, you know what? It's in aisle 26. I don't know. I've been to aisle 26. It's not there. So then they march me to the far other corner say, I'm pretty sure it's here. You look around. Oh, no, sorry, we can't find it. So I'm disappointed. I go to leave. And you know how, like, there's a supervisor standing by the cash sometimes? Uh, she looks at me. And she says, oh, is there anything I can help you with today? And I was like, Ugh, uh, I don't know. The help that I've been offered so far has been pretty regrettable. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm looking for this. And she says, yeah, I know exactly where it is. Come with me. We take another four-mile hike across Walmart, and she gets there. She goes, oh, I guess we probably don't sell that product. Like, and then, I love it, is there anything else I can help you with today? I was like, but you didn't help me to begin with. And, you know, oftentimes you call a support line, and it ends the same way. Is there any, nothing fit. Your TV's still broken. Is there anything else I can help with? Nope. I don't trust you with nothing. Oftentimes we ask for help, and we absolutely regret it. We are utterly let down. Uh, what, help, what, the, what happens, though, if you ask for help and it's urgent and critical? If it's life or death, the last thing you need is for your help to fall through, for your help to actually hinder you, to slow things down, to make things worse. Here in Psalm 119, I want to read three verses for you. Psalm 119, verse 173, 174, and 175. Here he says, Let your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. When you need help, oftentimes the helping hand you get it has some problems. It has some problems. If I ask you for help, you could be busy. You don't have time in your schedule. Maybe your hands are full. You already are overwhelmed with everything else and so... Sometimes a helping hand is full. Uh, most times, helping hands are weak. You may not have the strength I need or the abilities that I need when I'm asking for your help. Human hands are also incompetent. They just are unable to help in the way we need them to help. Like, for example, if I have heart problems, I'm not talking what needs surgery from a cardiologist, but if I have heart problems, I got guilt issues, I got shame problems, there's nothing you can do. To help me. You, you can't help me. You cannot take away my shame. You cannot take away my guilt. I have problems that you are incompetent to deal with. And so that's the problem is when we need help and we need help that is critical and vital and what we have before us is inadequate. So here I love verse 173. He says, um, let your hand be ready to help me. Your hand it is the, the drastic a contrast between my hand or human hands, the hand of God, ready to help. Let your hand be ready to help me. God's hands, unlike human hands, he's never, ever too busy. He's never too busy. He is omnipresent. He is all where at all times. He's not too busy in one location to say, just wait a sec, I know it's critical, and I'll be there in 10 minutes. I'm helping so-and-so in China. 
That's not the way God works. God is not too busy for you. God is never overwhelmed with full hands. It's not like adding one more thing or one more prayer request or one more thing that you need to him is going to make him go, yo, my quote is full for today. I hit 100 things from you and it's full. That's not the way God works. God's quota is never full. His hands are never too full to say, yes, I'll help. It's amazing when you think about that. You think of how many things you can stack in a person's hand, how many boxes you can stack high for someone to help you, and yet you have so many problems that you could throw on God and it's never going to fill him up to over-tipping. It's amazing that his hands are never too full. His hands are never too weak to help you. No matter your problem, no matter the size of it, no matter the, the strength of your struggle, God is always stronger. His hands are never too weak to help you. And his hands are never incompetent. It's not like they will fail because they lack the ability. God lacks no ability. God never fails at whatever he puts his hand to. And so when you ask God for help, Realize what you're getting. Realize that you are not getting a busy, full, weak, incompetent help. You're not getting help that is going to fail you or let you down. You're getting help that is sure. Help that is strong. I love, let your hand be ready to help me. The question is, are we asking for that? Do we think we deserve that? Do we think that's available even for us? For the hand of God, the one who made the, the stars, the one who made the galaxy, the one who the Bible says upholds the universe by the word of his power. This God, do we have access to his hands, to his help? Well, Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we do, and it's through Christ. Listen here, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. We, we access God's help in our time of need through grace. It's not because we've deserved it, or it's not because we've, we've tried enough and he said, all right, you've done your duty and you've shown yourself that you've failed when you tried the 10 things, now we'll help you. It's not the way God works. We find grace in God. I'm undeserving. I come to him with empty hands, with nothing to even pay him, nothing to return to him for the help he's going to get. That's why it says you find grace to help. God will help in your time of need. And you can approach him with confidence. Approach him with confidence. How could you do that? Especially when you know, okay, imagine you get yourself in trouble. You have caused the guilt in your own heart, the shame in your own heart. You ditched mom's car. You're not going to ask mom for help with confidence. You're going to ask everybody else for help first before you call mom. That's not the way it works with God. That's not the way it works. We find grace, grace, undeserved help from God when we approach with confidence. And we can only do that through a Savior who is paid for the shame you're about to take. A Savior who has already uh, dealt with the sin that you are struggling with. So you come through Jesus to the Father and say, I need help. I'm still feeling guilty. I'm still uh, wrestling with this difficult temptation in my heart and my mind. Will you help me? And the Word says, you will find grace to help in your time of need. I love, in, in 173, he says, let your hand, so he's recognizing the strength, the power, the hand that created all things, the hand that holds up all things, the hand that is strong to save, let your hand be ready, and we know it's always ready, be ready to help me. I wonder 
if you are aware of your dependence on God. If you're aware of your dependence on Him. There are many days, more days than I like to admit, where I seem to believe that I can get through without God. I do. I just seem to wake up and get on with it. Right? I depend on my coffee to keep me awake. I depend on my to-do list to keep me organized. I depend on my wisdom to make decisions. I depend on my finances for a sense of security, for provision. I, I depend on the food in our fridge to make us not hungry at the end of the day. I depend on my bed to re-energize me to do it all again tomorrow. I can go through a whole day and depend only on myself, and I'm exhausted. I don't know if you know that. Seasons of life where you go just depending on yourself and you get to the end and you say, like, what, what am I doing? Why am I so exhausted all the time? Like, I, I've got enough sleep. I've, I'm eating well. I'm exercising. I'm just exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted. I'm physically exhausted. Why? It's because you're depending on yourself and you are weak. And I live that every day. There's so many days where I get through and I just get up and get on with my day. I don't even think that I need to depend on God. But the reality is I'm so ignorant Sure, I can rely on those things I listed, my coffee, my finances, but none of those things are going to help my lungs to breathe. They're not going to make my heart beat. They're not going to make my eyes continue to see and my ears to hear. Like, how ignorant am I that I think I don't need God? Like, I can do this thing. I've got life. Well, no, you don't. Your heartbeat is from God. It's a gift from Him, and he's, you depend on Him for it. There is no guarantee you'll have a heartbeat in two minutes from now. You're depending on God for that heartbeat, and there's nothing you can do to strengthen it. There's nothing you can do to keep it going. You depend on God. And so when we live life independent of God, ignoring God, not crying out as David did, let your hand be ready to help me. I need help. Do you realize how dependent on God you are? How many days do you get through and you have not considered how much you needed God today? How much you needed Him to get through the day? Without even knowing it, you forget so much. You forget you need him. You forget you are totally dependent on him for life and for the most important things. The next part of the verse is really intentional. He says, let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. It's the same concept of not my will, but your will. Like, if I'm going to do this day, and I'm going to do this life, and I'm going to do this decision or this thing... I don't want to do it in my strength, in my way. I could, but it could fail. It could completely fail. And so I want your way is what this part of this verse means. I have chosen your precepts. It is intentional. It is directive. I have chosen your way. I don't want only what I want. I don't want to just get through another day. I want to do what pleases you. I want to do what's good for me. And I want to do what you would have me go. Sometimes the hard thing is, it's difficult. It, it's difficult. And so this kind of living, dependence on God and submission to His way, living His precepts, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of faith. You must believe that God's way, His precepts are right. That they are always good for you. And that even though they may look difficult ahead, that He will be your help. That he will get you through. This sort of living here in verse 173 takes dependence. It takes trust. And that, as we know, is faith. That's what it means to have faith in God. Because honestly, this way of living is a difficult path. 
It's not the easy way where you have 100 options, you can do whatever you want, and you live for yourself. No, this way is a narrow way, a difficult way. The path, it is, you know this, it is often harder to be doing things the right way than the wrong way. You know, you think about, uh, you know, extra tips at work, you got to claim on your taxes. It just seems like, that's, that's the right way, but it's the hard way. Like, why are they going to ding me on that? You know, those sorts of things. It's, it is um, harder to do what is right than to do what's wrong. It's way, way harder. But the, it's interesting because the deeper you get into it and the more you realize, I, I want to live by God's way, not my way, but your way, God. The deeper you get into it, the more you're going to realize you need to cry for help. It's a, it's a perpetual cycle. He says, let your hand be ready to help me. I've chosen your precepts. And because I've chosen your precepts, I need more help. And, and I'm going to take this another step. And this step is a step of faith. And I really need to trust you. But in order to do it, in order to obey, I need your help. Because I can't do it. It's, it's a life of perpetual and increasing dependence on God. And we struggle with that because we are independent. Right? Because if we depend on someone else, then we're not that important. And, and that admits our weakness. It's interesting that the Christianity is the faith that admits that we are all weak and frail and broken. That's what, in order to be a Christian, you, that's your admission. That's the, the cross you bear is I'm weak, I'm frail, I'm broken, and I can't do this without someone, without God. Christianity is, a, is the faith of dependence. And so the deeper you get into it, the more you'll realize you need to cry out for help. It's interesting here because he says, let your hand be ready to help me. Like, I'm going to be doing this. I want to be choosing your precepts. I'm going to be doing the difficult path. And so be ready. Be ready to help me because I'm going to take that step and I'm going to need you. I'm going to depend on you. You become dependent. But look who helps you. It is God. It is God who helps you. He is the one who is strong. He is the one who is consistent. He is the one who is never too busy. Isaiah 41, 13 speaks to this God. He says, For I, the Lord your God, I hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, for I am the one who helps you. And then in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10, I love this section of 2 Corinthians in 12. It's where Paul's talking about his weakness, his thorn in the flesh. He's begging God like, for a way out, right? Paul's feeling is utter weakness. And so here he says, um, Paul had been asking God, will you remove this weakness from me? Will you remove this thorn from me? Like, heal me, make me feel better, make this go easier. And, and God's answer to him was no. His answer was no. He said, uh, my grace is sufficient for you. Like, I'm going to give you what you need. That's sufficient. He says, because my power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul concludes, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So then he said, for the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weakness. I'm content with insults and hardship and persecution and calamities. And he concludes, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I'm strong. There is the real strength. There's the strength that will never fail. There is the surety is when I'm weak. When I'm utterly dependent, when I'm dependent on God's grace, and he says, it's sufficient. It's enough for you. It will get you through. So being dependent is a great test of faith, but it is a great way forward. And we depend on God, as we see in the next verse, for great things. David says, I long for your salvation, O Lord. I long for it. 
I need you. I need you to rescue. I need you to deliver. I need you to save me because I am trapped. I am a prisoner and I need rescuing. I am drowned at the bottom of the ocean. I need rescue. I long for your salvation. I long for you to deliver me. It's amazing because we can long for that. When, when God makes us aware of our circumstance, when he opens our eyes to see that we're actually drowning, that we don't have it all together, and that we are not independent, and that we're not doing okay, when he opens our eyes to see that, what do you do? You cry out for help. You cry, and here's David, I long for your salvation. I long to be rescued. Well, where's the rescue? We know it's in the Lord Jesus. He says, come to me. All who are heavy laden and burdened, come and you'll find rest. Come, you sinners. Come, and I will set you free. I'll forgive you. I'll release you of all of that guilt by becoming guilty for you, by standing in your place, by taking that weight upon myself, by taking your sin, your shame, your guilt, and dealing with it all. Come. I long for your salvation. And we come. The word shows us, the word points us repeatedly to the rescue, to Christ. To him, that when we come to him, we, we put it all on the table. I'm dependent, I'm weak, I'm crawling before you. I have nothing to even offer. What do I have? I have empty hands. I have filth and sin and shame and regret. But that's what I'm bringing to Jesus. He says, come, you're welcome, and I love you. And I'm going to take you, and I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to give you new life. I'm going to free you from all those chains you've been holding on to forever. This is the salvation we long for when we're aware of our need of help. And it's yours in Christ. But the amazing thing about this verse is, I love it, it is not just a one-time deal. Like, I longed for your salvation till I had it. No, no, this is, I long for it. I am continually longing. I am daily dependent on your deliverance. I have a constant desire for you to deliver me from that shame again. I have a constant desire for you to deliver me from that sin and that temptation because even though you might have saved me and, and rescued me in Jesus and forgiven me once for all, I still sin. And so I long for your deliverance. I long for your salvation. Deliver me from sin today, tomorrow. That's why the Lord's Prayer is beautiful. There's this model that Jesus gave, right? You know, deliver us from evil. Not just one time, but deliver us from evil today. The consequences of that evil as well, not just the sin itself. The amazing thing is, this is the God who delivers. This is the God who saves. And so, David goes on in this verse, he says, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Your word, your Bible is my delight because it shows me. It shows me that I'm human and that I'm guilty and that I'm broken and that I'm dependent. It shows me that there is hope for me. Because there are people far more broken than me in this word, in this Bible, in this law, who you've rescued, you've ransomed. Murderers, thieves, adulterers. You've saved them, they've become great people for you. You've given them a new life. And, and it's almost like they don't remember their former life. It's like the chains are gone. They live free. This is the God. I long for your salvation, O Lord. Your law is my delight. We take delight in his law because it leads us in a way away from our sin, away from our shame, and into a sanctification that is growing in our likeness of Jesus. We love his law. We delight in his law because it leads us away from all that hold us back. It leads us away from the old man into the new, and it leads us onto eternity with God. I delight in your law. 
question you can ask yourself is, do you delight in it? If everything else was taken away from you, would you still have delight and feel truly blessed because you have the word of God that teaches you that you can be satisfied? As, as he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My, my love towards you is sufficient. If, if all else fails, he is sufficient. Paul, uh, David carries on. He says in 175, let my soul then live. Let my soul praise you and let your rules help me. Let my soul live. I don't want to be a corpse anymore. I don't want to be burdened down with my guilt and my shame and all the temptations that I fail at every day. I don't want to get out of bed, depend on myself for everything in the day. I don't want, that's not living. That's not living. I want to live. Let my soul live. The only way it's going to live is if it's made new, if it's been saved, if it's been rescued. And we start living now. He gives us new life. He gives us new opportunities, new chance, a fresh start. Amazing. I'll give you a fresh start tomorrow. Screw up today. It's a fresh start tomorrow. Lamentation says his mercy is new every morning. Every morning. We need it. And so our soul gets to live. It's not a corpse anymore. It's not trapped within itself of self-dependence and even our letting ourselves down. We live. We live and we praise him. And then he asks finally again, let your rules help me. Where do we turn to help? We turn to God for help. We don't turn. Yes, sometimes you or, or I can help each other, but it's always going to be limited. It's not going to get to the heart of the matter. We always turn to God for help. In 173, he says directly, your hand helps me. And then here in 175, your rules help me. Yes, sometimes God directly delivers you from uh, whatever, whether it's from the bondage of sin whether it's from temptation, but also his word is going to give you the guidance. You, you, want to know, you want to know how to have help in the next step. Well, you almost need the guidance, the, the, the guidebook of that step, that precepts, the way that God wants you to go, the, the decisions he wants you to make, kind of even the framework, the, the view that you need to take on your situation and the world around you. Here he says, let your rules help me. Let, let this word help me. Let it be my guide. Let it give me understanding to my circumstance and my situation. Let it speak truth to me. Because there's often many lies I believe about myself, like I can live life without God, like I can breathe and make my heart go. Like as if I believe that lie every day, but I do. So do you. But here, the rules of God, the word of God helps me. It humbles me. It shows me again and again that it is God who made me. It's God who sustains me. Even when it comes to my own Christian faith, right? When I fail... Where do I look to myself and say, well, I'm the utter failure. And, and I better pick myself back up. I better confess my sins. I better do, do well tomorrow. Like, like, I need to be sanctified. I need to be doing everything. And yet Philippians corrects me and says, the one who began the good work in you, he will bring it to completion. So then, instead of looking to myself to try to help myself out of this pit I've got myself into, I look to God. He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. It's not me. And so the word, his rules, help me. It helps me to live this life that is truly living, that is a delight, but it's also utterly dependent. So the question is, do you know your needs? Do you know your ultimate needs? Your deepest need, obviously, of salvation. Do you know it? Do you know that you are trapped in your sin and that if you stay that way, you will go to hell? Do you know your need? Do you know that you need, even if you've been rescued by Jesus, you need daily deliverance? 
Because there's going to be temptations, and there's going to be things that you trip up on. You're going to care for yourself way more than you care for others. You're going to disregard God at times. You're going to look to your own interests. So then you need daily deliverance. Do you know it? Do you embrace it? Do you call out for it? Are you dependent, and do you know it? Where do you turn for help? Where do you turn? Do you think, well, I can't do that. I don't have the ability. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the tools in my toolbox. What, what can I do to, to help? Or do you turn to God? As David cried out here, let your hand be ready to help me. I choose to walk in your way, and I can't do that. And so I need you to help me and your rules to guide me. I need to be dependent on you for life, not me. So this is a, a great uh, mind framer when it comes to our own life and our own dependence. And it really does shape the way you pray. This is a great prayer. If you think about, you know, if you, if you believe yourself to have not been dependent on God, turn here, use these words. You can literally pray these words. They're in the first person. These can be uh, for you to God. Let your hand, God, be ready to help me. I want to be more dependent on you. I want to choose to do what is right. I want your way, and I know it's going to be hard. So I long for your salvation. I long for you to deliver me from the things that hold me back, the temptations. And I want to delight in your law because I know it's good. Because, it, you know, you only do what, what brings you joy. Sure, you might think, well, I worked a job that did not bring me joy for a long time. But at the end of the day, you will only do what you delight in. And so sometimes it's, you will slug through a, a, an awful job because you delight in the paycheck or you delight in financial security, right? So at the end of the day, you will only do what you take pleasure in. You, you may not believe that until you realize that it might be a means to the end, right? And your end is always what you take pleasure in. You're not going to live your life for what you hate. No one does that. No one does that. And so that's why David here talks about the law being his delight. God's way, God's word being his delight. And so the question is, is it your delight? And are you going to live your life and do your things in order to uh, get to that delight? What pleases you most in and through what God has given you in his word? Are we dependent on him? And do we know it? Let us be those who then cry out for help. And we know that we found it. As, as that verse in Hebrews said, um, that we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we fi find help in our time of need. What an assuring verse. What an assuring passage. We are so thankful for the word of God that those of us who are dependent and, need and realize it have a great helper. Let's pray and thank him. Oh God, we thank you that e your hands are never full, that you're never too busy for us, that this prayer even now as we come to you and we corporately together say we, we need you, that, that it's not too much for you, that all of our problems compiled in this room, all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our screw-ups is not too much for you, that you can help us in a moment and in a miracle. So we thank you for that. We are humbled by the fact that you would hear us out. We're humbled by the fact that you, you have a universe to care for and you care for us. We are so humbled by that. We just pray that each day uh, your word would help us to frame our minds right in a place of utter dependence on you and a, a great delight in you because we know you satisfy. We know you satisfy. So help us, oh God, to look to you for all that we need. We pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen.